concrete is such an important material it provides so much key infrastructure for you know quality of life in the developed world at the moment and as we go forward it's needed more and more in sort of africa southeast asia um and a world without concrete is simply unimaginable but the emissions need to be sorted hello everyone and welcome to future x a podcast by martin hearn event director future build and co-host Dr. Oliver Jones, Research Director at Rider Architecture. FutureX will bring together some of the brightest minds and some of the most disruptive thinkers and innovators to transform the construction industry and build a FutureX community of like-minded people that can begin to make a real change. We really hope you enjoy the series. Hello and welcome to FutureX. I'm Martin Hearn, Event Director of FutureBuild, once again joined by my co-host, Dr. Oliver Jones at Rider Architecture. Oliver, this week we're talking all things concrete. Indeed we are. And I think one of the things that we've talked about quite a lot between the two of us is there's so much action going on in this concrete space. And Absolutely. And I think it needs to. You know, we can't get away from the fact that that cement industry is, is responsible for, you know, almost 8% of all human CO2 emissions. So a huge contributor. But as an industry, we use it so much and it's integral to our infrastructure projects, all of our major builds. So, you know, there's really that search is on at the moment for the Holy Grail. Can we find a truly net zero concrete? There's a lot of innovation in this space. You know, we've we've showcased and talked to so many people that are working in this space as well. And, and you know, future build showcases even more people that are that are really active in this low carbon, carbon neutral concrete space. I think one of the things is, as you say, you know, what what is the holy grail? Well, you know, for me, the holy grail in this space is is something that's not doesn't deviate too much from our traditional processes, and something that is easily sourced and doesn't require an awful lot of additional expensive mm-hmm. processes to to achieve that carbon neutrality in concrete. Essentially, we have to replace cement and Portland cement. So it was fantastic to speak with the guys, uh, Saratech and Mike Cook and Barney and Sam. You know, I think unbelievable chats. It's another example, isn't it? I think of a chemist, an engineer, and then they've got Mike Cook from, you know, Bureau Hapold as well, you know, of industry, sort of the knowledge and the black book that he has coming together to really you know, excel this, this amazing new technology that they've well, you've got, you, you, uh, totally. So you've got this youth, you've got this, uh, this hunger to change things. You've got the engineering mindset coming in. You've got an, a, a fantastic collaboration with a chemist and then you've got the industry insight, you know, that's something that we usually bring to the, to the table with the advanced startups that, that we work with. And it's phenomenal that Mike's in a position uh, at Imperial college where he can start to have that, uh, effect and, and uh, assist with uh, accelerating these startups down the line. So, you know, I was I was amazed to hear um, from the guys at Saratech. I, I think they've they've got a, a real groundbreaking uh, product in there, waiting in the wings here. And, and I I for one can't wait until we start trialing it. One is just you know you put it in the category of another no brainer. Really, it, it's it's almost amazing. It's hasn't been adopted you know already. Um, you know, it's got the scalability, as you said, it's not reinventing the wheel, it's, it's you know, optimising an existing product. So there's no reason really why this can't 
be the scalable solution now. Absolutely. And uh, you know, to top it all off, they named it after me, which is phenomenal. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, let, let's bring them on and, uh, and we'll find out more. Right, guys. Well, we've got joined by three people today and really, really happy to introduce Saratech. And Mike, I guess you're the first person to say hello to. Um, we always start by asking people for a bit of a potted history of their journey. So, Mike, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Uh, right, I'm, I'm the oldest guy in the room, I suspect. Uh, that's, I've got a long journey. I'd better make it quick. Uh, I'm a structural engineer. I uh, joined, uh, my, my career started back in the 70s um, with a quick bout at Arup. And then when Bureau Happel got set up, I became a, a graduate uh, employee at, at Bureau Happel, uh, structural engineers down in Bath. Um, and I actually was there right the way through for my career as, as Bureau Hubble grew, I grew. So I've been involved in a lot of quite interesting and quite weird, in some cases, projects as a structural engineer. Um, ultimately, by the time I'd uh, come towards the end of my time at Bureau Hubble, I became chairman of it. And it was a 2000 person firm. So it was a really nice journey, if you like, a startup that I joined as a, as a young student that, that became quite a significant practice that, uh, you know, those of us there were pretty proud of. Um, as a structural engineer, of course, I've discovered, you know, increasingly towards the end of my career, um, how significant a carbon impact we'd been having. Every time I put a bit of concrete in the ground, suddenly I realised I was I was doing as much harm as I was doing good. So I was delighted when, uh, as, as a result of teaching at, at Imperial College, uh, I came across Sam and Barney and, and wanted to do all I could to help them with their idea of decarbonizing concrete. So I've, I've had a bit of an epiphany in the last few years. Excellent. Well, I guess that's a fantastic link, Mike, through to uh, Sam and Barney. Sam, do you want to give us your rundown, mate? Yeah, cheers. Um, so I'm also a sort of a structural engineer by background. That's what I did in my in my degree. Um, but while I was doing that, I felt that I couldn't really go into sort of the the day-to-day -day structural and uh, structural design sort of job that wasn't really for me um so I had a sort of a little look at contracting I had some great fun there and then thought I'd also just try my hands at research um so I started a PhD at Imperial College back in 2017 um looking at sort of sustainable cement and concrete technologies it was weird you know I'd fallen in love with concrete more than any sane person should um but its, it's impact on the environment is, is so huge that to have the opportunity to work and try and um, try and mitigate some of these emissions is such a huge challenge and a, you know, a great thing to be involved in. Um, and it was while at Imperial, I met Barney. And, there, and therein lies Barney's intro. Barney, mate, step on up. Yeah, so I, I, sort of a running joke for Sam and myself is that our intros are essentially the same. We're basically in the same position. Quite literally, he's about four metres to my left but my background is slightly different. So my undergraduate degree was in uh, chemistry. Um, so I sort of ended up taking a more material science approach and I was fortunate enough to land a PhD here at Imperial. Uh, and then, yeah, fortunate further to end up sitting next to Sam where our work has sort of coalesced in, and formed into Ceratec along the way. So I'll probably stick with you for a minute, Barney. Um, can you give us just a, a bit of an intro to Ceratech. Tell us, tell us what it is and what it's about. Yeah, I, well, I guess the, the headline is that Ceratech can deliver zero carbon concrete. I mean, there's more to it than that, I suppose, but 
I mean, the, the first thing to note is that we've done this in a way where the concrete is 90% still concrete. You know, it's still got sand, it's still got aggregate, water, Portland cement. It looks like concrete, behaves like concrete, but it's this last 10% that we produce and it's this last 10% that ends up making it carbon neutral overall. You know, we wanted people to be able to use concrete as, um, as the material that we build everything out of. I mean, concrete is an amazing material. As Sam said, he fell in love with it. I've ended up doing the same thing. I think it's, it's one of these sort of amazing things that goes totally unnoticed by most people. And then you sit down and you look around and you go, my God, this is amazing. This, this is, we've just built so much infrastructure and so much of the world is dependent on it. And we need to be able to keep that going. So we, we sat down with industry and said, you know, what if you were to use a zero carbon concrete, if you were going to you know, move in any direction, what direction would that be? And that has been at the center of all of our R&D. So the material has no real impact on sort of things like fresh properties and it, it looks like concrete. The guys on the site would never know they're using a different material, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's zero carbon, zero carbon impact infrastructure. And, and um, like Sam said, it's a great challenge. I think there's a lot of demand. People want to be using that. So can you give us a little flavor, Barney, of how it's zero carbon? And we'll probably come back around to you for a bit more product detail after a few more. Yes. Um, so I guess as a starting point, most of the CO2 that's associated with concrete is really associated with the cement itself. That's, you know, what is it? It was upwards of, I guess, 90% of all of the carbon in the concrete is from the cement. Um, and that's through the calcining of limestone that, turns off a load of co2 and also getting it up to the 1400 degrees that you need to actually make the clinker itself that obviously requires a lot of fuel so that's the bit that you need to change in the concrete to have an impact on the carbon um, and industry do that at the moment you know that's what um, supplementary cementitious materials scms they see a lot of use so things like fly ash from the coal industry and blast furnace slag from steel uh, and essentially they're just used to partially replace some of the cement and because they're waste products, they have no CO2. So if you sort of cut your cement content by 30%, your overall emissions are cut by about 30% as well. And you can argue whether or not these waste materials are actually sort of co-materials and should have some sort of carbon associated with them. But in essence, that's what industry is doing. And we took a very similar approach. We, we've engineered our own SEM, so we don't get it as a waste product. We are specifically in the lab making this stuff. and the way we make it sequesters industrial waste CO2. So rather than emit CO2 in the production of something, we consume it. And then these negative emissions can offset the emissions of the cement. So rather than cutting the cement with something that has zero carbon, we're blending the cement with something that has negative carbon. And our material is about as twice as carbon negative as cement is carbon positive. So it's kind of like a 65, 35, two to one blend and you end up with a neutral uh, cement overall. Well, we'll be coming back around to dive into some of those secrets of sure, Saratech yes. <laughs> process and formula uh, shortly, Barney. Um, so just jumping back to Sam, you know, you, got, you said you guys started in 2017, or you started in 2017. I mean, this is a, this is a really rapid sort of uh, process, really, isn't it? I mean, what, what kind of challenges have you faced trying to set up a startup did you initially envisage it as a startup or yeah, just tell us a bit about that process sam 
No, so um, so it was. I started my PhD in 2017. Barney started his in 2018, and then I guess this was a, a product of COVID, probably. So we started really doing this um, research sort of late 2020. Uh, none of the pubs were open, so we thought we'd sit here and do some more work instead. Um, and it was just sort of a discussion about our research, sort of how they overlapped. And originally, we found this sort of nice uh, little niche. Um, so Barney's PhD is about sort of make making materials essentially, and I thought, oh, we could use one, you know, as the the supplementary cementitious material that he was just talking about. Um, and when we started, this was very much going to be sort of a, a brief academic exercise, do a few tests, write an academic paper, and then we leave it. Um, but it was as we started doing the tests, you know, the, the properties of the concrete, and you know, we sort of go, hold on, this works um, way better than we expected it to. So then we sort of, um, you know, got the university a bit more involved. So started um, looking at the IP through them. Um, so then that was sort of most of 2021 really was a little bit of um, optimization, lots of uh, communicating with the industry, as Barney was talking about, really finding out exactly what they want from a material and how we would make it, you know, useful and usable. So yeah, so I say, so that was um, 2021. And then but at the start of this year is when things have sort of really, really started to kick off. So we filed um, our patent application in January and then we started getting uh, grant funding from a range of sources um, through the university and externally to, to continue the development. So since then, we've, we've been able to expand the team. So in, in addition to the three of us here, we've got sort of some academic advisors who are very heavily involved and uh, three or four more researchers working with us in the lab. And then we're just starting to expand our commercial team as well. Um, so in terms of challenges, fair to say it's not been completely plain sailing all the way. Um, I think predominantly sort of technical challenges. Um, we sort of, we come from very technical backgrounds, I guess, but you've got Barney as a chemist, myself as an engineer, and there's this sort of weird, um, well, I guess the chemical engineering bit in between. So whilst Barney's great at dis uh, designing the chemical process, and I'm not bad at putting the, uh, the material in a cement and making a nice concrete out of it, sort of the scaling up that goes with the chemical engineering has been a, a great challenge for us. Um, you know, how do you go from, we've been making sort of a few grams of this material at a time in a little beaker on a hot plate in the lab. But, you know, a few grams of a cementitious material are not much use. You can't build houses out of it. Um, so we sort of, we scaled up a little bit in our labs now. We're at the sort of tens of kilogram scale, just um, as I would quote, just bigger beakers. Um, but really it's still a batch process and all of that. It's taking this to sort of the next step of a continuous process integrated with a, you know, with a CO2 flu somewhere in industry that sort of has been a big challenge and continues to be a big challenge for us, really. Um, we're very fortunate that because we're part of the university here, we've got um, our fantastic chemical engineering department who we've been working with uh, quite closely to help us sort of, you know, take go through the next couple of steps with this. But then it's more about sort of looking outwards um, to the big you know, engineering design contractors for processes and these mm. sorts of things. And I suppose, Mike, that's where they're very privileged to have you on board, which is, you know, you can get that into the industry or at least get the industry feedback. And, and what's that been like so far? Well, in a way, yes, it's, it's 
that's what I see. I see my role as, as helping Sam and Barney get this out there in a in, in what is a, 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 a you know a, a complicated industry, a multi-layered kind of industry. So we need. It feels to me that we need as many people who should be interested in this to be aware of it and become interested in it. Um, and I've been helping Sam and Barney, you know, get that visibility. Um, and across, you know, pretty much everyone we speak to, once they give us the time of day, and especially those that understand the construction industry, understand cement and the use of the use of it, the making of it, are pretty interested, uh, somewhere between pretty interested and extremely interested. Um, and maybe the funders who are not used to this kind of innovation, which needs to bury itself deep in the heart of an existing heavy duty, mm. low margin industry. Maybe the investors are slightly more, whoa, this is a little bit unusual for us. You know, we like nice, clean, new things, shiny things that we can safely predict what, how much money we're gonna make. So maybe one of the bigger challenges is, is we're, we're trying to get something that isn't the obvious um, uh, thing for, for investors to, to just throw their money at. But yeah, we've been working with the institutions, with firms of, of consulting engineers, getting the, all the, the professional side of things to, to start to see that there's a glimmer of light you know, at the end of the tunnel, that there might be a way that they could continue to use cement and concrete and do it in a way that isn't going to you know, damage the planet, damage their own professional credentials and, and you know, go against their emerging plans for becoming net zero designers of, of buildings and so on. And the same then goes for developers. Um, and then when you get into the construction and the cement industry, we've been talking to various firms across that. They've all started their own internal research as to how to decarbonize the cement making processes. We don't find any anyone who's really approached it in the way the way that, that we have here at Imperial. Um, and that's in a way encouraging, um, but possibly increases the amount of, um, um, you know, if there is any skepticism, it increases a certain amount of skepticism because how can it be a good idea? We haven't come in, up with it ourselves, you know, and I'm sorry, but we, we just did and you were stuck with doing it the way you were doing it or something. So, but they're interested, they're talking to us. And, and I think in a way, I'm a fairly impatient sort of person. I want to see this, this happen as fast as it possibly can, because we have a, you know, we have a very, very serious problem out there. Uh, the construction industry really needs to act fast. And what we need to happen in terms of this idea infiltrating into the global cement industry, that's going to take time in itself, just physically to make those changes in, 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 in all the different flues in all the different parts of the industry. So we need to get this thing moving fast. So I want, I want everyone to hear about it as, as, as quickly as possible, so that there becomes almost a movement where the professionals, the industry funders all get on board as quickly as possible. I think what you've got in your, you know, to your advantage is that the concrete industry are really, you know, there's a huge amount of innovation now coming out of that space. They've got clear route maps and roadmaps to go into net zero, and there's a big industry push to do that um, as well. What do you see the sort of the next year, next 12, 18 months playing out like for you? We, we want to get these ideas out of the lab into practice, but it doesn't have to be 
at big scale. So we want to find collaborators, they may not even be in the cement industry, um, who we can work with to develop a small pilot to, in a way, give more confidence that the ideas will bear fruit and, and to start to produce some of our products at, at a larger scale as well. Not at mega scale, we're not going to make big big bucks out of it, but start to really build the confidence. Because I think while, while something is still, even if it's in, in a vat in a laboratory, it doesn't smell of industry. People feel it still looks risky. So we've got to get out there into industry. It might be working with a brewer or something. We're talking about a very, very interested brewer uh, in the Midlands um, who creates CO2. We could use that CO2 into our processes. So we are truly decarbonizing their process and we will be producing larger amounts of our, our SCM that Barney spoke of, and also another quite interesting byproduct we haven't touched on yet that, that could be, can be, we're already proving that it can make very good building materials um, on it in its own right without, the, without any cement. So yeah, in the next year, we really want to get out of the lab into, into smaller scale industry uh, trials. So I was um, just taking a look at some of the notes that you guys had kindly provided on your phenomenal pro project and product. Um, I don't know how much you want to talk about your process and, and, and the raw materials involved. Are you guys happy to talk about that? That's phenomenal because, I, first of all, being very ignorant of the raw materials that you used, I was over the moon to realize that you'd named it after me, um, which, is, which is fantastic. So if, if you want to tell us a bit more about why you did that, Barney, that would be wonderful um, and, and what it is. Yeah, sure. So um, the raw material, or I suppose there are, I suppose there are two raw materials for us. One is industrial waste CO2, which we're trying to sequester. But the more important one, um, and there's a slightly lesser known one, is olivine, which is a magnesium silicate mineral. It's a very specific type of magnesium silicate mineral. Um, but these magnesium silicates in general, some people would know them as basalt or the earth's crust you know of which they make up like 80 percent or something you know these are hyper ubiquitous minerals that come in varying forms some are sort of partially weathered or hydrated with some water going in there but the sort of simplest form of these magnesium silicates is a mineral called olivine you know in its perfect gemstone form it's like lovely little green crystals ours doesn't look like that obviously you have a gray powder like everything else in cement but yeah so it's just mg2 SiO4 is our is our main raw material. So what do you do with that, Barney? Um, I, we, we, we weather it, I suppose. So there's a process called enhanced weathering, which is sort of known about in carbon sequestration communities. It's where you can grind up this olivine very fine, so it's quite reactive, and just throw it on a beach. And essentially, you transform a magnesium silicate mineral into a magnesium carbonate mineral, sort of swapping out a silica for a carbon dioxide molecule in there, storing the carbon in, in that way, mineralization. Um, and what we do is much of a muchness. We are essentially turning this silicate mineral into a carbonate mineral. But as that happens, we've, we found a way to produce a very fine, very reactive silica um, that is essentially chemically identical largely to materials like fly ashes, um, especially the silicious ones. So it's, it's no different to, to what the rock would do on its own exposed to the atmosphere. We just speed it up using chemicals and a bit of warming here and there, but nothing 
nothing sort of, you know, out of this world in terms of temperatures and pressures. It's all fairly um, mundane, but it's, you know, as far as the process goes, sort of like chemical equation, it's no different just to, just to atmospheric weathering. It sounds, it sounds almost too good to be true. And I guess that's coming back to sort of Mike's point earlier is that you guys have, you know, you've found a, a phenomenal replacement for um, Portland cement or fly ash. And, and, and actually in the process, in your process that you've developed, you, you're sequestering and using a lot of waste CO2 in, in that process, right in, in that small summation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a funny one because I, I feel like really what we've done is, is nothing too revolutionary. I think there were a couple of different ideas floating around. It's like a, it was like a very easy four piece jigsaw puzzle. And all I did was, you know, <laughs> slowly put these four pieces together. The, the independent bits had all been there and, and, and understood quite well, um, such as the use of SEMs in concrete, blended cements and, and, and enhanced weathering, all of these different things. And then it's just looking at it in a slightly different way and realizing actually this is so implementable in this specific industry and the result of doing it in this way, you know, being zero carbon concrete is so marketable and desirable at the moment. And there's so much drive for that itself. I think, I think there's lots of drive for CCS carbon sequestration in general, but it can be so broad and diffuse and this sort of great big cloud of action that people are sort of a bit like, oh, that's a bit, I don't know, I don't, I don't get that. Whereas yeah. if you can narrow it down the way we were able to just because of the way our products ended up being and see it having a perfectly understandable application, I think that's, that's what makes it work so well. So in terms of in terms of the raw material itself, as much as I'd love to believe that olivine was just this gloriously gloriously rare, beautiful material, is it uh, is is it is it uh, you know do you have to mine it? Where do you find it from? Is it abundant? I don't know. Yeah, so so it is found um, in lots of places all over the world. I mean, there's a large large deposits of it in Norway. That's where we're currently getting ours that we use for testing. Um, probably the probably the largest European producer and of, of course it has to be quarried but you know cement and concrete is such a large issue you're not going to find the materials to tackle this issue mm. just sitting around out in the open so if there is some mining that's involved but you know that mining is going to be offset by having to produce less Portland cement so there's there's that's that's a uh, you can reason that one out and then mm. I mean you see I mean olivine is quite popular in terms of um, carbon sequestration because it's um, so reactive. So there has been some work done actually on sort of global availability. And there's a, there's a fun paper that was talking about a deposit in Amman, which has, you know, enough olivine reserve to sequester the cement emissions for 27,000 years or something like that. You know, this stuff is all over the place. So be sequestering emissions long after I'm gone. It's... It sounds, it, it sounds phenomenal. And, uh, you know, we, we can't wait to continue the discussions with you guys about how we might be able to co-develop some demonstrators or use you guys in some pilot projects. I think oh, yeah, for sure. super, super excited about, about that moving on from here. Um, but on the topic of pilots and demonstrators, you guys have, you guys have got something coming up, haven't you? Yeah, so we're really excited. So we've been working with the, uh, the design company, um, AKT2, and the, uh, the contractor, Burn Brothers. Um, to sort of get our first demonstration event the first sort of site of our of our carbon neutral concrete in the real world outside of our little lab um so we're doing a project as part of the london design festival in in september um and this is sort of showcasing um 
a little concrete wall at the AKT offices in um, in Old Street. And what this really does is it sort of it tells the story of um, sort of cement technologies from you know quite a few years ago up to sort of current best practices, and then where we're looking to take it in the future. So because it's a, a sort of a brickwork wall, it's a nice piece by piece thing. Um, and each of these bricks is made of a, a slightly different concrete. So you've got sort of your very high emission uh, classic Portland cement concretes that we've used for a couple of hundred years. And then sort of some fly ash ones. So like, what we, you know, the industry best practice right now. So reducing your emissions by 30, 35%, something like that. And then it sort of moves on to our, our carbon neutral stuff with, with no emissions associated with it. And it's been absolutely fantastic working with um, AKT on this in particular. Uh, we, we first spoke to them back in November last year. And, you know, as soon as we did, they were, they were so, so keen to help. Um, and, you know, they've completely driven this project. It's all been, you know, they came up with the idea, they led it. Um, and that's, you know, that's fantastic to see sort of someone who in the end, of, at the end of the day, would be specifying our concretes for them to be so enthusiastic about it and have such a desire to help us get it to a point where they are able to specify it, um, you know, and their, and their clients, they want to use it in their buildings. And they really do want to minimize the, the environment, environmental impacts is massive. Um, so yeah, that's, um, that event is on the, the 20th of September at their offices. So I think, yeah, if you go on the, uh, the London Design Festival website, you'll be able to see it, read about it. Um, and I would encourage people to, to get a ticket and come. Brilliant, brilliant. And we're going to hope to see it at Future Build as well in March. So that, that we'll look forward to that. Can you tell us a little bit about the support that you've that you've had through the years? You know, obviously you've had some good collaborations, but have you been accessing things like the Innovate UK or the government grants or, or, or support that way? We hear a lot, you know, from the SMEs and startups. We have the importance of that UKRI support that they're offering at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Um <clears throat> excuse me um so we've had sort of support from a, a couple of different places particularly in, you know the financial aspects so some of the money sort of through the university which i guess originated from sort of the classic research councils and, and all of that um we're exploring sort of bigger money from innovate uk and um sort of bays and things like that at the moment and we've just put a, a bid in for a, a fairly sizable grant which is again focused on sort of scaling up and I think that's where um, that's where government grants are, are particularly good for that scaling where you haven't got the technology completely settled yet. So it's very difficult to attract, um, you know, venture capitalist investment or something like that, but where there's, there's clear potential in the idea. Um, so, we're, yeah, we're, we're very hopeful for that. Um, and, yeah, and then beyond that, just sort of keep, you know, we keep our eye on the, the funding opportunities all the time. We, um, we spoke, me and Oliver spoke a couple of weeks ago to another startup, Fermilon, and something that I asked them was about if they had to do it all again, what would they do differently? Uh, we get a lot of startups sort of asking it, what's the sort of, you know, you seem to be on the cusp now. Um, and so it's those lessons you've learned along the way. Oh, there are so many and none at the same time. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I would do anything differently, particularly. It's been so far fantastically uh stressful and long hours and um you know when you but i think it's all worth it when you sort of you see a technology start to come together 
and you do a few tests you're a little bit skeptical as to whether or not it's going to work but then for some reason it just clicks it's unbelievably rewarding um and you know it's, it's not a point i thought we'd we'd get to to be honest i thought we'd maybe do a couple of months on it you know find a barrier that we couldn't cross and then that would be that um so maybe maybe uh no there's one thing i would do differently having got the experiences i know that it's always going to get more difficult so uh enjoy it when it's relatively easy at the start get a bit more sleep <laughs> these sorts of things <laughs> I um I've got a question for you all. Uh, we'll, we'll run down the line with this. I'd love for you guys to sort of give me a give us the sentence that summarizes just the strengths of Saratech, like what you know the headlines of the product and and what you guys are trying to achieve with it. You know, give us those headlines. Run, we'll run down the line. We'll go with Sam first. No pressure, Sam. Um, how many of them do I do? Do I just do one and then <laughs> give it? Give us one and leave the other guys something to play with. I'll, I'll go with the obvious one. I'll just go with carbon neutral. You know, there are lots of different cement technologies out there. Very few can claim to be truly carbon neutral, which is where we need to be. Mike? I think that the most important thing is, is that this is something that can be introduced into a very big part of the construction industry quickly because it doesn't require a lot of new technologies to be incorporated. It doesn't require a lot of new regulations to deal with a new material. So it's got fantastic potential to move quickly. And I'm very impatient to see it move as quickly as possible. That's a long sentence. No, it's a good sentence. So we've got, we've got car, it's carbon neutral credentials. We've got rapid scalability. Barney, what are you going to come in on? I would say, I think one of our biggest strengths is that it's just disruptive enough. I think we're new enough. I mean, if you're, if you're being kind, we're inexperienced enough to, to have the naivety required to have just a different enough angle to notice something that somebody else hadn't noticed. But it's not going to have to change the world. To, you know, all the world doesn't have to change to use it, that sort of thing. Phenomenal. Well, thanks for those uh, for that wrap up, guys. We always we always end our sessions with our guests, and we might be ending it a couple of minutes prematurely here because we've got three of you um, by asking our guests what you know what you would love to see in the future. You know, what kind of future do you want to see? Um, and again, you know, not to put Sam back on the spot, but we'll we'll go in the same order. Sam, I love concrete. Um... <laughs> And we're not going to see concrete go anywhere. So the thing for me is it doesn't really it doesn't really matter how we do it. Right. Concrete is such an important material. It provides so much key infrastructure for, you know, quality of life in the developed world at the moment. And as we go forward, it's needed more and more in sort of Africa, Southeast Asia um, and a world without concrete is simply unimaginable. But the emissions need to be sorted and it, it doesn't matter how it happens. I'd love it to be us obviously um but to any technology out there you know if it can do that if it can be scalable and economic fantastic that's all i want to see guilt-free concrete everywhere guilt-free concrete sam mike what's uh yeah, i i think sam sam put it really really well um I, I, the difference between sam and me is i don't love concrete um I love what it can achieve, I, uh, it, it, and it's going to be incredibly hard to wean people away from concrete when there is so much of the world that still needs to improve the quality of people's lives, and, and concrete and cement really helps speed up 
um, you know, the improvement in the quality of lives, the improvement of infrastructure, the improvement of housing and so on. So knowing that, that, that we need, you know, people's lives will depend on concrete for very, very many years in the, in the future. We have to find a way of making it environmentally acceptable. Um, this seems to be a way of doing that. And, and so um, I'm very hopeful that in the future we will be able to continue to improve the quality of people's lives in a meaningful way, not in a, in a, in a phony kind of way, just better health, better education, better transportation. Um, and it will not be harming the planet that, that we're trying to eke out a living on. And that would be a fantastic position. So whatever Ceratec can do to help, I'm, I'm right behind it. Barney, you've got your closing point, mate. And what tell us tell us about your vision for the future. Yeah. Um, I don't know, flying cars and for Saints to win the Premier League. That'd be nice, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, I think I would I would maybe for myself move slightly away from concrete and infrastructure if I can. And I think I would love to see all heavy industry whether it's I don't know, energy or pharmaceuticals or construction or agriculture move towards a more circular way of doing things you know we've had decades of these industries pumping inert salts out into the sea and stuff and everyone was fine with that and you know these are processes that were invented in the 1700s and it's like there's so much more we can do in so many places where we can develop and innovate and have impact and just change the way we do things because there is scope to do it and i think we can start here and if we can start here that's great and then if somebody else can take the baton and run with it and do something for their industry that, that they're interested in perfect so before we say goodbye that was a phenomenal wrap-up of the future there from you from you three before we say goodbye to you guys how can people find out more about you and how can people connect with what you're doing um so through our website uh ceratechcement.com please do go on and have a look um it's just in the process of being completely overhauled um so it'll look all nice and shiny and new um go on there sign up to our newsletter which we're soon to release um so it'll be every every month or two to get a little bit of an update about sort of what we're doing who we're working with and also a bit about you know the wider cement industry and um sustainability as a whole and then social media as well um, you'll find links to that again from our website uh, so do please have a look and then at events you know future build definitely in march will will be there come find us have a chat um and yeah that's about it really well i'll tell you what sam mike barney thanks so much for your time today and um you know keep on disrupting keep on innovating and hopefully next time we speak to you you will have named a raw material after martin um <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. See you later. Thank you. Absolutely phenomenal insights there from the guys at Saratech. I think Sam's points around guilt-free concrete, I'm taking that one away with me. You know, that This really is a guilt-free concrete. It's, it's carbon neutral, uh, start to finish it. And it uses a phenomenal process that's quite low impact and, and also utilizes waste CO2. I think Mike's points uh, were even more pertinent on the fact that if we're going to continue to improve people's lives across the world, in the short term anyway, concrete is absolutely necessary. You know, we need it to build critical infrastructure to rapidly construct 
buildings in in areas that really need them in order to improve people's lives so there's a there's a real a really sort of authentic mission about the guys at Saratech and I absolutely love talking to them absolutely and I think this shows that there is no better time than now to be in a startup really in that net zero field of work because the rapid amount of funding development and need is just phenomenal at the moment Totally agree, totally agree. And I can't wait to check back in with them and see how they're getting on. Absolutely. Well, they're at London Design Festival. We're going to see them at Future Building March as well. Um, if you like this podcast, please share, subscribe, um, and we'll see you soon with another amazing piece of innovation. Join our community to stay up to date with all things FutureX. Visit futurebuild.co.uk to sign up. Please also like them and share them to help grow our community. You can subscribe to the podcasts within your favourite podcast platform. Thanks so much for listening and we hope you'll be back again soon.